Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Blessed are you, Lord of creation, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit from the earth. Father, I thank you that your word never returns void. I thank you that your spirit is poured out and you have not rescinded it. You have not turned that tap off. The baptism of the Spirit is possible even now. Father, I thank you for open minds, open hearts, ears to see. No, the other way around. Ears to hear, eyes to see. Father, give us a heart, an open heart. Say it right now. Father, give me an open heart. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart today. Father, I thank you for the now words, the rhema words that you're going to pour into lives as I speak the message you've given me. And I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You agree with that? Amen, amen. Shake hands with someone around you. That doesn't just mean do this. (laughs) So good to see you guys. Thank you, team. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Come on. Okay, we've been talking a little bit about, ah, before I do that. Um, so worship night. We've been talking about eatings, not meetings. <clears throat> Doing life eatings, not meetings. Because Jesus said, as I have been sent by the Father, I now send you. So what did we do? We made programs about it. We made structure around it. We said, oh, no, it has to happen this way. And some people in church, I don't know if it was this church or other churches, have said, doing the eatings, not meetings, that's not going to work. How can that work? You have to have structure around this. Do you know what? We have had beautiful meetings with people, and it's been at coffee. It's been um, just meeting with them, and then we, we join and we pray. And the Holy Spirit's there. The witness of the Spirit's there. Not the fulfillment of a program is there. The witness of the Spirit is there. So Wednesday night, every second, sorry, Thursday night, we're going to be having an encounter worship night. That is not just to come along and sing songs. This is for the activation of the body, for mutual encouragement, for building up, for speaking words. This is a time for you to not be sitting back. You can get a word from God, from somebody. You might be just worshiping God and somebody will tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, God just told me, uh, and it's happened before. We will, act, we will have times where we can activate that, but worship and the presence of God and praising God is so powerful. Don't switch off from this. Don't go, oh, yeah, I've been to those before. It was loud, wasn't it? It was meant to be. Wrong. Don't have that attitude. There's people that are preppers in this world. They're prepping for the zombie apocalypse. They're they're prepping for the zombies. Do you know what? It's already happened. I see the walking dead everywhere. There are people that are moving and they are just dead inside. They are dead. And I'm looking at them, I'm going, you're just barely existent. And some people are in church. Their mouths aren't proclaiming. Their limbs aren't moving. They're just brains. Don't be the walking dead. We are put on this planet to worship God. You will worship something. I go out and see my bees and it's been cold lately. So bees and cold don't mix, do they, Lee? 
they all die off in winter and you're like, where are my bees? I feel like lighting a fire under them and then I realise that's not going to help. Um, but I go out there early in the morning and because there's not many flowers around, I've been giving them scoops of honey, you know, from, you know, in front. So they just come to the thing and they go, ooh, yummy, yummy, you know, good for tummy. And they, they eat up the honey and I'm giving them energy. But then there'll be other bees I'll fly straight out and just on the ground. So I'm trying to pick them up with my sticky teaspoon and, and, and then, because it's covered in honey, and put them back on the thing. And as soon as I let them go, they plop. Why? Because they're dumb bees? No. Because God has made a bee to be a bee. And they will be a bee to death. They will glorify God to death. And I'm like, I'm trying to stop them. And that they're glorifying God to death. Don't be the living dead. Be the living in Christ alive. Oh. That, I hope you get that. I know if I thought about it, I'd have something really witty to say there, but that's the best I can do. Um, but when we worship, things happen. It is spiritual warfare. There will be everything to stop you from coming. But this is a time, if you're like, but I don't get to see my friends during the week because we, Stephen shut down life groups. No, then this is the time for you to come and engage as the body. Zach, can you want to come up? When Zach first started coming to this church, he's going to share um, a testimony about his life. And he's never shared this before, so neither had Ben. It wasn't that beautiful. Ben Wilson, you champion. I've, sh- I've shared it at youth before, but I, I don't know if I've shared it here. I don't know. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of got sprung upon me to tell you guys about it this morning. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to tell it to you how I felt like God was prompting me this morning, um, and I had to write notes. Um. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, uh, so, yeah, I mean, government church, first time was really weird for me. Um, uh, unlike you guys, it was great for you guys, obviously. Um, but, um, I mean... No, but, uh, like, I went to a different church before I came to this church, and, uh, like, I hated church a lot. Um, I was waiting to move out of home so I could finally stop being dragged along to church, actually. Um, You know, like, I had, like, this hate relationship with God, like, already at the start, um, just because, like, I just felt like my family had, had, had it bad, and I just felt like God wasn't there for my family, um, and certain people in my family, and... I uh, had a lot of um, issues within me that I needed resolving and I felt like they weren't being resolved by going to church. Um, and I, and I want to talk about um, communion, I want to talk about praise and I want to talk about... Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and, but no, it'll, I'm, I'm going to do it quickly. Uh, and, and offerings. So I don't know, so like... I mean, you know how, like, you go on a first date and first impression really matters? I mean, in all these three areas, I really was not, like, didn't want to cooperate with God. For example, I would refuse to take communion when I was in church. I, I couldn't do it when I was, I was really young, and I just didn't want to do it because I, I didn't want to associate myself with anyone at church that believed in God. Um, two, I would take um, headphones and a laptop to church 
so I could play video games. And Dad would agree with that. <laughs> he wouldn't agree with it, but he, he could say that I did. Yeah. And if I could get my hands on a pair of noise-canceling headphones, like I would have, but I didn't have the money to do that. And three, the first time I gave an offering to God, a money offering, I cried. I was like, I just gave this to God and I ain't getting it back. All right? All right? I mean, my first date with God was bad, all right? We didn't have a good relationship. <clears throat> and so I think uh, it's very different for all of us, our testimonies. But um, I think, uh, so God led me to read uh, from Psalms 34.8, where David says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Now, if you've heard the story of David, you can find it out in 1 Samuel, where he defeats Goliath, right? He defeats Goliath for, <clears throat> for his army, and he gets best on ground, hands down, best on ground. Best player that day, best player. But imagine being best on ground, and then your team hates you. Like, he had to leave his team, because his captain hated him. His king hated him for being so good. So he had to leave and he had to, it, like he was going to die. Like he, he was, either his king was going to kill him or, yeah, that, just that actually. Um, anyway, <coughs> so, so he actually goes to the Philistines um, to hide within the Philistines, uh, which is the army that they fought in the war that he got best on ground against. And he thought he wasn't going to get recognized. But he did get recognized. Um <laughs> And so, when when he got captured by the Philistines, he he um, <laughs> I don't know why God wants me to tell this story. Um, they he was wondering if they would imprison him or kill him. Um, well, they were planning on doing both, right? Um, so, <laughs> but you know, what what he did was he pretended to be insane. He was pounding his head on the city gate, foaming at the mouth, and spit dripping from his beard. <clears throat> Now, I'm going to tell you that he did that first before he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So he was, he was got best on ground and then his team hated him. And then he got persecuted and then he got uh, threatened to be killed, uh, thrown in prison. And then he said that after all that. There's a lot more that he went through before that. But. Taste and seeing that the Lord is good is so important for us because uh, I went on a trip to Planet Shakers when I came to this church and, um, and there was all these great speakers and, um, and, but there was one that I didn't want to listen to because um, I didn't think it was going to be very good. And Anyway, would you believe it? I was listening to their, them speak and the things that they were saying about God, I was um, tasting and seeing, so I was listening to them. And I, I guess just think about what tasting and seeing means to you. But at that time, for me, tasting and seeing a God was um, opening up my ears and, and, and trying to listen to his word. Um, and, and this speaker, she spoke um, like I, I kind of felt like her voice was really annoying. Um, but the scriptures she was saying were like hitting me hard. And... Um, and the things that she was saying, God was speaking through her to me. And I ended up having, ended up 
they ended up doing worship after, and I, I like cried on three separate, three separate occasions, and um, and God just showed me, um, like that He, that He was with me when I was going through all of my, all of my hard times, and and He spoke to me how I needed to be spoken to by Him, and and He wants to speak to you how He wants you to be spoken to, and we all have different ways and different words for us, and so I guess all I wanted to encourage you is. Um, just find out what tasting and seeing that the Lord is good to you is. Like, find out what that is. You know, is it listening? Is it um, having a friend that has has faith and meeting with them? Or is it, um, yeah, is it just like listening to the words in, in praise and worship and not putting on headphones? Um, yeah. <laughs> is it giving an offering and seeing what he'll give back? Is it, um, is it taking a part of communion um, when you're in the beginning of your faith walk and just seeing what encounter you you receive, um, yeah. So that's 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 my story summed up. Mental note: Never give Zach any prior warning. Because I wanted to, him to share, he, he forgot because God took him off on a, the, the first time he came here, he was tormented as we sang worship. He was like, he said, I, I, he, I got a headache, I couldn't stand it, I had to have my hands over my ears, but he kept coming because of relationship, because of connecting with people, he kept coming and coming and I said to him, that was a spiritual battle right there, that's a spiritual battle right there and so the, the one thing I wanted him to share about coming along on, when, on Thursday night to encounter in worship because he is enthroned, Psalm tells us, in the praises of his people that something happens when we come together corporately. I know every Tuesday morning when we meet, every Sunday morning when we meet here and we pray together before, you're welcome to come. It's not just for the creative and production team. You can come early. You don't have to come at 10 past or 20 past 10 or half past 10 or quarter to 11. Don't worry, I notice. Some of you, Sunday's the only day you get off. So, come on. Lindy, this is spectacular tea. Eating's not meetings. I've made a statement recently about, well, a number of times. God shifts, and then it takes us a little while to catch up with him. God shifts. We think, oh, God, please move, please, because we don't see things happening. But that's not how heaven works. Heaven is always throwing seed. Heaven is always speaking. Heaven is always pouring out. But if we, as the word said this morning through Malachi or Malachi, is that if, if you actually give into God, then he will actually not just let it pour. He will open up the floodgates of heaven. So there'll be more than enough. We have enough. We have enough. So God shifts and then it takes us a while to catch up with him. I want, I want that to just sink in. When Jesus said, it is finished, it is complete, then the new covenant, the, the original purpose and truth was released, bang, right then. The, the sky went dark. The earth shook. Dead people rose from the grave and walked around talking about the goodness of God. 
The centurion that nailed him to the cross said, surely this is the son. And it wasn't just like, oh, surely this must be the son of God. He was a Roman centurion steeped in idolatry, steeped in Roman mythology, steeped in Jupiter is the biggest God and Mercury is the, it doesn't matter. Uh, (laughs) He was, and he said, surely this is the son of God. Something happened. In the heavenlies, the veil was torn, the separation now from the holiest place of the throne room of God is now open to anyone who would believe. God had shifted, but it took the apostles a little while to catch up with the freedom that Galatians 1, 5.1 says, it is for freedom we are free born, no longer slave born, we are free born. Oh, there's a statement that my dad says all the time and he, and he acknowledges it when he, can, he sees it and he witnesses it, he goes, they're a free born, they're a free son, they're a free daughter. They're not, they're not bound up by religious mindsets. They're not bound up by a religious perspective. They're not bound up by the pattern of this world, the, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of the value system of this world. They are a free son. They are a free daughter. You have got that over your life right now. God has shifted way back then. You don't have to be a slave to anything anymore. You are a freeborn individual in Jesus. But it took the disciples a little while to catch up with the depth and the truth and the freedom of the Father's outrageous act, this new covenant that we have with God. And we go, no, no. And so we've been talking about the first church, the early church, and how they were spirit-led. And, and we want to, you know, what would Jesus do was a statement that was really popular. And I, I'm recoining that now. I'm reminting it. What would Jesus undo? Because there's a lot of stuff that we hold on to that we think this is, this is truth. No, no, no. It may have some truth in it, but is it the truth? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's hierarchy to that. He shows us the way. When we step into the way, like stand at the crossroads and look. Look for where the good way is and walk in it. There you will find rest for your soul. So when we walk in the way, following Jesus, then the truth gets revealed to us. And as we grow in the truth, we realize, hey, deception's fallen off my life. I'm not bound by things anymore. Truth is being revealed daily to us. And then our life is transformed. What Romans talked about, be, don't con, you know, conform to the pattern of this world, but rather be transformed, metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to know what God's will is for your life, not somebody else's life that you go, oh, they've got it so easy. No, no, no. Oh, why, why does God give that to them and he doesn't give it to me? No. Find out what God's will is for your life. Then you'll be able to test and approve what his will is. His good, pleasing, perfect will. None of this this is in my notes. I've got to get back to them. So Nicodemus, we talked about Nicodemus um, on Easter. And Jesus said to it, like he comes to Jesus at the quiet time. And he says to Jesus, you... You do these miracles and we know that if you're doing these miracles, no one can do these miracles unless they've come from God. He, he was, so Jesus responds, unless you're born again, 
you can't even perceive the kingdom of heaven. How was that an answer to, you know, what Nicodemus was asking? Because he went to the core. He went to exactly what Nicodemus needed to hear. Nicodemus says, that doesn't make sense to me. In the natural, we try and look at stuff too much in the natural. We're looking at what is materializing in the natural around us at the moment instead of the God shift that has already taken place even over the last couple of years. There are people caught up and bound up by political views, by um, opinioned rants that are on social media and their faith is being robbed of them. And what they're speaking out with their mouth is actually lies and deception and it's not the truth. And the the very thing that we're meant to do is produce fruit on this earth. Every, Every parable that Jesus talked about was about producing fruit. It had that had an attitude of fruit or it had a production of fruit in it. The fruit that we're meant to have (laughs) is that through us, the world would be saved and not condemned. Jesus said, I have come into the world not to condemn the world, but through me, the world would be saved. Our fruit is to bring no condemnation and life, salvation, wholeness, healing. God's shifted and it's time for us to catch up. So then in this conversation with Nicodemus, he makes this statement in verse 8. I haven't got this up on the screen. It's, it's all right. He says, The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not where it's, know where it's coming from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You've got to be really, you know, how often do you notice the wind in your life? Only when it's blowing really cold, really hot, or just really strong. That's when you notice it. But do you think that it just isn't blowing any other time? It's blowing all the time. Have a look at the meteorological things on on the weather at night. It is circulating all the time. There are currents on our planet all the time. The Spirit of God is moving all the time, all the time. And those that are born of the Spirit get attuned to it. It's not that those that are, you know, born of the Spirit are blown around by the wind, you know, flipsy-flopsy, you know, weirdos. No, that they are sensitive to the mere change in the, in the, in whatever, you know, the, you know what I'm trying to say. I cannot find the words. (laughs) Words fail me. God had shifted his covenant. The authority in the heavens and on earth had shifted. It was not time to keep looking at what the material was manifesting, but rather what the breath of heaven and of the spirit was transforming. So this is the thought Adrian and I were talking during the week. If it takes us a while to catch up with the God shift that's already taken place, Do you think then, because do you think the enemy takes him a while? Them, sorry, we say him, but it's them. Takes them a while to catch up? I think so. If we look at the early church, we've been talking about Acts 2 because things happened back then and it is a benchmark in our life to say, wow, God did that back then. He's no respecter of persons. He can do that now. There were miracles. There were transformations. There were, there were healings. There were mighty things happening. There were, 
there were just breakouts all over the place. Stuff, weird stuff was happening that Jesus didn't even do. Shadows of the apostles would fall on people and they were healed. They would pray over hankies and send them. Who wants a hanky? I hope they were clean. Hankies sent and the hanky didn't heal them. The prayer of faith that that was sent as a token of healed. Things happened. But the enemy also knew that something had shifted. So they went on a blitzkrieg. I love that word. (laughs) Blitzkrieg. They went on a blitzkrieg and absolutely started. The early church had more persecution than they'd ever experienced before. They had more inner fights. They had more religious spirits. Oh, well, if you're going to join in with us, then you've got to be circumcised. You've got to honor these days. You're not allowed to eat that food. You're not allowed to drink that stuff. You've got to eat this. You've got to worship on these days. You've got to honor that. No, there was so much turmoil in the early church because religious spirits, were breaking out and the enemy was trying to distract the apostles from the shift that God had made and they were trying to bring structure in they were trying to make people conform to patterns and it wasn't the way that God meant it to be those who Jesus has set free are free indeed in the title over your life you are free born Jesus says, I have come that you would have life and you would have it fuller than what you could imagine. I just want to say right now, I don't, what I'm like on stage is exactly what I'm like off stage. I don't change. How I worship off stage is how I worship on stage. That's what we're meant to be. Otherwise, we're living dead. You can't just put things on and try and be fake in front of people. They smell it a mile off. Hypocrisy, you can smell it a mile off. Life to its fullest. But the plan of the enemy is to what? Steal, kill and destroy. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. The plan is to steal the way from us, to kill the truth in us and to destroy the life in us. That's the pattern that they're trying to work with. So there was unprecedented persecution, internal fights, disunity, religious accusations. There was pious, proud, spiritual attitudes in the church. <laughs> there, but not only that, there were people that were lying to the Spirit and when they did, boom, they died on the spot. There was stuff going on in the church. We don't want it to happen now. <laughs> but we want the freedom of the Spirit. Freedom. I don't want to be an Ananias and Sapphira. I am jumping all over. So the word freedom in Galatians 5.1 actually means a citizen, freeborn, not a slave, exempt from obligation or liability. Whoa! I like that. That's not physically, that's spiritually. It doesn't mean that you can jump in your car and go roaring up the street, you know, go through the 40K zone and you're just sitting on 120. There's liability to that. (laughs) Can I repeat something that the Holy Spirit gave me last week? That which is our dominant meditation and conversation, that is our God. 
Whatever is your dominant meditation, what you're thinking about when you wake up, when you're through the day, whatever you, is dominating your thinking and your conversation is your God. It may be your sickness, it may be your pain, it may be the pattern of this world, it may be a political party, it may be observations of of things that are happening in the world at the moment. But we are reminded by Jesus that when you see these things happening, he, he foresaw it all. He said that in the last days, wickedness will grow to a point that even in the church, the love for others will grow cold. I have seen that. I have seen that. I don't want to have that in my life. So I, 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 I taste and see what is good. I get back to what is good not, and what unites us, not what divides us. Because there is so much stuff that we could really ramble on about, you know, and really babble on about the things that my opinion is different to your opinion. I'm actually sick of my opinion because my opinion changes all the time. I, I can, because as soon as I find out that my opinion's wrong, it's like, well, that was useless to me. Oh, that really hurt. Oh, I shouldn't have done that kick. Why am I so demonstrative? That which is our dominant meditation and conversation is our God. So in John, Jesus is, um, he's, re- he's resurrected. The, the Mary's go and see that the tomb is empty and come back and tell the disciples and the disciples run there and the one whom Jesus loved, you know, <laughs> that's John. He kept writing that, oh, not John, but the one whom Jesus loved. That's all of us. You can put that over, you could get a sign made up, bumper sticker. Hey, go and get a personalised number plate, the one whom Jesus loved. Make it an acronym though, it's a bit too long for a normal one. So Jesus then, so the disciples don't get to see Jesus. That night, Mary sees him, but that night they're in a locked up room afraid of the Jews, afraid of what's going to happen because Jesus is now gone and God has shifted and they they didn't know what was going to happen. So they're hiding together in a room. Jesus appears in the room and and luckily says, peace, (laughs) not boo. (laughs) Wouldn't it be funny if Jesus turned up and just went, huzzah! But he doesn't. He he rocks up and he says in the um, old Greek, Irenae. Irenae is the word for peace there. And it means prosperity, rest and quiet prosperity, rest, and quiet. It's a very specific word. There's a lot of other words for peace, but Irenae means rest, prosperity, and quiet. And then he shows them his scars. They get all excited. He disappears again. And then John talks about a few other things, the miracles and all that. Um, This is in chapter 20. And he says, you know, I, my witness is true. You know, I'm the one writing this. And, and really, the, Jesus did a lot more miracles than what I've recorded. He did so many miracles that there are not enough, enough books on the planet. There's not enough internet hard drive out there to record all the miracles that came from Jesus. So there, a week after this encounter... Because, oh, and then they go and tell um, Didymus, Thomas, 
We call him Doubting Thomas, but that was just a moment. That was just a snapshot in his life. And we've now labelled him Doubting Thomas. I call him Didymus because that's what they called him. He says, no, 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 I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Unless I see his scars, unless I touch and put my finger in the scars, I'm not going to believe. And in verse 20, uh, sorry, chapter 20, verse 21, it says, again, he appears in the room. They're all there. Didymus is in there. Again, Jesus says, peace be with you. Irene, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. And then he says this amazing thing. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. But the Word of God says that if you don't forgive others' sins, then your sins aren't forgiven. So he's talking not just about the sins of others. He's talking about our sins as well when we don't forgive. The early church needed this um, bedrock statement over their lives at this point as they received the Spirit that you need to be operating in forgiveness because you're going to want to go back into religious mindsets. You're going to want to go back into your old way of thinking. In 2026, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas Didymus was there with them. Though the doors were locked, this is verse 26, oh, we got it. Well, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. When we come together, we are called to reinforce one another's believing, not one another's doubting, but one another's believing in Jesus. And we cannot use condemnation to force freedom into other people's lives. You're behaving like this. No, no, no. Forgive. Forgive. If, you, if I had enough time, I would bring out all the Scriptures that, that, that are right through there that talk about us. Those that, If you think that somebody's doing something wrong, then it says those that are strong in faith should uphold those that are weak in faith. And that if your brother is sinning, then go to him quietly as you would somebody softly and give them a rebuke. It doesn't mean a rebuke. It just means give them a correction in their life. And if they hear you and repent, then rejoice. But what do we do? Oh, they were like that. Oh, no, like that. No, no, no. What we speak about is our God. What comes dominantly out of our mouth is our God. Forgiveness has to be flowing out of our life. Truth has to be flowing out of our mouths. Word of God says when we face trials, of many kinds. What are trials there for? Has anyone ever thought about that? I think about this often. Like right at this moment, oh God, the ferret's biting me, something shocking. Me, I'm fantastic. The pain in my body, horrible. I'm stretching during worship. The guy's early this morning and I'm stretching here on the floor because I've got a, an injury from when I was young and foolish. <laughs> and it's still with me today, but it keeps me humble. But I don't talk about it very much. I only talk about it from here, not to glorify it, but to glorify that my soul is whole, that my spirit is free, that my mind is steadfast on Him. And that's not because of who I am. That's because of who you guys are around me. I'm not by myself here. We are a family. We are the body of Christ. This We're talking about coming back to the body of Christ. We all face trials, don't we? 
Is there anyone here that doesn't face trials? Because we need to pray for you because something's coming your way. Either that or you're the walking dead and you don't notice what's going on around you. If that's you, please tell me when you're driving on the road because I don't want to... (laughs) The reason that we go through trials is because they are a test of our faith. What are tests for? When you sit down to do a test, whether it's verbal or written, what is a test for? To give an answer. I know it's really simple. You're all going, I don't know what the answer is here. To give an answer. To see if we know what the answer is. Who's the answer? Jesus. To see if we know what the truth is. To see if we know Him. Know Him. We can go through trials and tests in our life. And if we just hang around with people that are just going to go, you poor thing. Oh, this is terrible. How can the, this is just unfair that you're going. That doesn't help us. We can be destroyed with the strokes and the hugs of people when we need a slap of rebuke in our life to say, hey, you know, nicely. Smarten up and fly right. This isn't God's will for you. God has so much more for you. And we go, no, He hasn't. No, He's never done anything. No, don't talk like that. So I'm going to quickly, do you mind if I just keep going? Because honestly, this is probably a two-parter and I'm trying to smash so much out of it. What is coming out of our mouth? What is going on in our heads? I I just want to share a story here. And this is um, Matthew 15, 10 tells us in verse 11, Jesus says, It's not what goes into your mouth or into a man's mouth that defiles and dishonors him, but what comes out of his mouth. This is what defiles and dishonors him. And it's talking about religious mindsets there. What comes out of our mouth is so important. Fathers, men, what we speak has so much authority in our world around us because we have been given responsibility by God. And please don't get all genderistic on me. But men are being called by God to be leaders and atmosphere generators. We are there here to actually transform atmospheres in our workplace, to transform atmospheres in our homes, to transform atmospheres in our relationships. Men, what is coming out of your mouth? Because if it is defiled and contaminated by the corruption of this world, if it is focusing on the the pattern of this world, on the worries and the cares of life and the deceitfulness of the value system of this world that is just so greedy and filthy and contaminated, you're setting an atmosphere of failure for everyone around you. I'm speaking to men because we want to be real men in this church. On Saturday, we're going to talk about being real men. God's given me a word that we're going to share and other people are going to share and it's going to be a breakthrough time. So don't come just to eat a Nash egg and bacon roll, even though I would come for that alone. Come to eat, taste and see that God is good. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, not your needs, not your opinion, their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, that it builds their faith and not their doubt. So 
We were talking about John just earlier, how Jesus turned up and everything like that. And then John made the statement, I've written all these things and not enough books on the planet. In John 21, it continues on. So after Jesus had appeared to them twice and breathed the Spirit on them, it says in John 21, Simon Peter and, and Thomas were there, Nathaniel, an Israelite of whom there is no, um, what, what is it? Oh, I've forgotten the word. Stephen, just don't go off track. Stay on target. The sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, son of thunder, and two other disciples were together. They were together. Now, something's gone wrong with Peter's thinking here because Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they go, we're coming with you. Peter had a dominant alpha male sort of personality. So he was leading. And man, if you think, oh, but I'm not an alpha male, you will be in some arenas. Doesn't matter what uh, you might think, oh, I don't have any influence. You do have influence. I'm talking to men this morning. You do have influence. So Peter says, I'm going fishing. The statement there is, I'm going back to be a fisherman. That's what the statement was. What Jesus had called him out of, he was going back to. Why was he going back to it? He'd just seen Jesus appear in a room twice and show his scars, breathe the Spirit on him. But remember, Peter had a failing in his life that no one else witnessed, only Jesus. Peter, I tell you the truth, before the, crow, the, the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. There was no one else there that saw that happen. This internal dialogue is going on in his mind. He's going, oh, I failed Jesus, I failed Jesus. Even though I've seen him appear, even though I've seen, seen you know, Thomas change from, from being doubting to now believing Thomas. And he goes, I'm going back to being a fisherman because I failed Jesus. I failed when it was the chips were down, when he needed me the most. I was the only other one there in the courtyard when they were remonstrating, they were beating him, they were pulling his beard out. And I denied him, I denied him. And then I cursed and I denied him. No one else knew this happened. But if you read the Scriptures, all four Gospels talk about this. How did they know about it? Because he sat down when they were together, sharing intimate their, their lives over a meal together. He said, you know when Jesus prophesied that? I did it. This is what happened. And he shared it with them. But at this moment, he says, I'm going fishing. So they go out and they spend the whole night in the boat again. Sound familiar? Somebody from the shore yells out, haven't caught any fish, boys. Didn't ask, have you caught? He says, haven't caught any fish, boys. No, you filthy mongrel. We haven't been out here all night. I know how to do this. Then put your net down on the right-hand side of the boat. Oh, yeah, of course, that's going to work. The fish aren't on the left-hand side of the boat. That is left, not my other left. And down on the right-hand side. So they throw it out. I think they sort of knew. Pull in an, an enormous catch of large fish it's talking about. We're talking about the abundance that God has for us, that heaven's always sowing, that heaven's always speaking, that heaven's always breathing. Large fish, more than enough. Then the one whom Jesus loved goes, it is the Lord. Peter jumps out of the boat, goes swimming. But what's Jesus doing? He's on the bank of the river, lake, sea, and he's, he's cooking some fish and some bread. He's having an eating, not a meeting. 
And he's not doing it with a multitude. He's doing it with this small group of guys that have got doubt in their heart. And did he care about doubt? No. He encouraged them. He spoke into their life, but he also took Peter aside and rebuked him. He said, Peter, do you agape me? Because he's dealing with what the internal dialogue is going on in his head. I'm telling you, if you've got an internal dialogue, you need to have an encounter with Jesus. Turn up at 7 o'clock. No, come at 6.30 on Thursday night and just come hungry to taste and see that God is good. So Jesus takes Peter aside, but the one whom Jesus loved followed because he, he wanted to be in on this. <laughs> I just find that really funny. And he says to to Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? Do you godly love me? And Peter replies, Lord, I phileos you. I brotherly love you because I know what I've done. I know how I've failed. And my, my, I've got a condition on my life that when I'm in front of people and I get challenged, I back down. I fail. And not only that, I call down curses and say, no, I do not know him. Jesus says, do you agape me? Oh, he actually says, feed my sheep. Didn't care about the phileos statement, that it didn't match the agape question. The phileos reply didn't, this is a test. But we don't look at it as being a harsh test because nothing God does is harsh. It's always governed by the most beautiful love. Peter, do you agape me? Lord, I phileos you. I brotherly love you because I know what I've got. Jesus knew. Jesus knew what he was going. Tend to my lambs. Then he says, Peter, lowers it. Do you phileos me? Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know me inside out. You know my heart. You know my failings. You know where my pride is, but you also know where my heart is. Jesus says, feed my sheep. This was an incredible time of reconciliation. Something happens when we have eatings intimately with one another and Jesus is at the center. Please don't think that what we're doing is just setting up a new program in the church. This is activation of the body on massive scale. And I know that we're not the only church that God's speaking to about this. I reckon this is happening all over the planet. The persecuted church is doing it by default at the moment. The church in China, the church in Russia, the church in Israel. The Messianic Jews in Israel can't even talk about it, can't even use social media because they'll be persecuted and potentially killed for their faith. Father, bless those that are called to be martyrs. Father, give them strength. Make them bold. I feel for martyrs. People pray that they wouldn't be martyred, but that if you're called to be a martyr, I pray for boldness. Why would God do that? To live is Christ, to die is gain. We think it's all about life, but it's actually about eternal life. We're living in eternal life right now. If you're able, can you stand with me? I've spoken about a lot this morning. We've had some great encouragements this morning, haven't we? 
Thank you, Charlene. Thank you, Zach. Zach, for that three-point message, testimony. <laughs> it was very good. We need to meet, not you and me. We need to meet with one another. We need to find brothers and sisters that are going to speak life into our life. We need to expand our boundaries. That's why the Word of God says, you know, go and have meals with strangers. Meet with strangers even. And you might say, oh, I've got to go find someone on the street. No, there's people in this room that are stranger than you. (laughs) Uh, Let's just connect with heaven right now. However you do that. Let's just connect with the Father. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus, you can do this right now. The Word of God says today is the day of salvation. That doesn't mean Sunday the, what is it? What day? doesn't matter what date it is. It means that today when you hear His voice, respond. If you've had that prompting this morning, all you need to do is say, Jesus, I give you my life. Please forgive me for where I have offended you, where I've sinned. Show me the way. Show me the truth. Show me what real life is. Because what this world offers doesn't satisfy me. But Father, right now, I thank you for the body of Christ. I bless and speak favour over the body of Christ. Even those that are bones that are still disconnected, Father, I thank you that your bones hear the word of the Lord. There's a rattling. We're coming back together. The body of Christ is coming back together. Father, I thank you for people stepping out, for disciples stepping out and having eatings one with the other. Not meetings, but eatings. I thank you for the conversation. wouldn't be one of complaining or gossiping or whatever it might be or criticism but it would be about sharing the goodness that you have poured into our lives being thankful Father I thank you for your word where it says pray continually or rejoice pray continually and in all things give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus Father I'm so glad you dumbed it up for me that all I need to do is rejoice All I need to do is keep praying, keep communicating with you. All I need to do is do things in thanksgiving. And I'm in your will. Father, I thank you as we meet together in our eatings, as we come together for an encounter time on this Thursday, as we come together for corporate prayer on Tuesday morning. Father, I thank you for your breath of your spirit. I thank you for revelation flowing. Thank you for healing flowing right now, right here. Father, I thank you that you are the God who heals us, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, that you are Jehovah Shalom, God of peace. Just proclaim that over your life. If you need peace at the moment, the Word of God says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayers, communication with heaven, Petitions, actually saying, God, I'm not happy with this and I want it changed. Jesus says, if you ask and keep on asking, and he gives examples of it, then God will respond. Knock and keep on knocking and it will be opened. You seek and keep on seeking and you will find it. Because God wants to see if we've actually got hearts that are totally committed to him and not just, oh, well, 
I'll give up and go be a fisherman again. I thank you for the the tape going on in our minds about failings and sins and, and misgivings. That's just the enemy bringing the blitzkrieg to stop us from getting into the freedom that you have for us. Father, I thank you that if we sin, we can come to you and ask for forgiveness and you are just and able to not only forgive our sins, but cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, I speak the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus over each individual here. Whatever the battle is, I thank you, Father, for the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the willingness to stand. And when we've done all to stand, stand! Not knocked around, not wishy-washy, stand. You might think, why am I speaking these things out in prayer? This is communication with God. This is how simple and basic it is. Father, I thank you for everything we've discussed. I thank you for what we've sung this morning by your Spirit. I thank you for the words that you've been dropping into people's minds. Raymond words right now. Oh, I can let go of that. Oh, I can put that baggage down. Oh, God, you're requiring this of me. Father, I agree yes and amen with your Spirit speaking to each individual. I thank you for those Raymond words, those now words being activated. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you don't leave us, that you're here. Thank you for an outpouring of your Spirit. Oh, I'm so excited. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I am so excited for what what God's done and we get to walk into and outwork what what He's doing in the earth at the moment. Oh, what a time to be alive and not the walking dead. Don't be the walking dead. Be alive in Christ. Fullness of life. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.